When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Megan Hustline, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, Jamie Yurich. Hey, Megan. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Oh my gosh. We have so much to talk about. I cannot wait to get into it. I mean, I think we should just start right away. This past week was just a roller coaster of emotions, but it ended with some very happy Buckeye fans as college football playoff selections were announced on Sunday. As I said, we have lots to discuss. So just diving right in to the Ohio State-Georgia matchup, initial thoughts, love playing the Bulldogs. I mean, what do you think? I, listen, this Georgia team is a really excellent football team. Um, with that said, uh, there is no one in the field this year that I think is unbeatable. And I think, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of cool. Um, cause we haven't seen that in a long time. And obviously we have two undefeated teams in the playoffs, but I, I do think that like on any given day, any of the teams that were in the top 10 could have beat any of the other teams in the top 10. Just depending on how like all the things played out. And so that's Mm -hmm. not to take anything away from Georgia. I'll take things away from the other undefeated team who shall not be named, but (laughs) um, I don't want to take anything away from Georgia because they obviously have had a spectacular season and you don't become an undefeated team on luck alone. Um, But I don't think that they are unbeatable. And I do think that, while I know this is going to be a really, really tough football game, um, I think the Buckeyes are hungry to get some vengeance after uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And I think that that could potentially play in our favor. Like the opportunity to rematch could be enough to really light an extra fire under us. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. I mean, It's kind of been a down year in college football, and obviously they're still the top dogs, and Georgia is, you know, like you said, undefeated. They're the number one seed, but they've had, you know, a couple tests this year against Missouri and Kentucky. They're both, you know, solid teams, but they really almost upset Georgia. So, like you said, they they can be taken down at any time, and if anyone can do it, it's Ohio State. They love the being the four seed and upsetting the one seed, obviously, in the 2014 year when we upset Alabama. Hopefully, it's a repeat this year, kind of seeing, you know, some resemblance of that year. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, Georgia is a great team. Uh, they have home field advantage pretty much playing in their backyard, so that'll be good for them. Stetson Bennett, veteran quarterback. He's been in this position before. He's been successful. So it's going to be a great game. I mean, I think it's going to be an offensive shootout. Um, but either way, it's going to be a great matchup. I am a teeny it's bit true. nervous. I'm, but... a, I'm a little bit nervous, too. I am yeah. keep my thoughts about Stetson and Bennett to myself until we get to the Heisman portion of this. <laughs> okay. And then I will give you all of my thoughts on Stetson and Bennett. Oh, I can't wait. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be an offensive shootout. 
Um, and I, I really do think it's going to come down to like how the offensive lines perform and, um, who can connect with their receivers more. Agreed. And hopefully, you know, after Ohio State's loss against that team that shall not be named, there's been some redesigning and restructuring of how the defense plays and how the offense plays just to be more successful. So we will see. I'm sure they've just been absolutely grinding at practice, you know, super hungry to, like you said, get some vengeance. So we will see. However, speaking of that other team, they also made the playoff. They are the two seed and they will be playing TCU, which I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup. I obviously think that Michigan is going to be favored. However, I think TCU could pull off the upset. What do you think? So the thing about TCU is like, I don't know. I think that, I think that if they had played a team of Michigan's caliber earlier in the season, there's no doubt in my mind that, that, that they could like really hang. Mm Mm-hmm there just isn't anyone on their schedule that like really is of that caliber. That's not their fault. And that's not to say that they don't have the talent, but like really all in all, they are that team in their conference. And so they're not really playing anyone that is giving them that same kind of a matchup. I do think I I wrote about this over the weekend. Like I had some questions about their legitimacy um going into the conference championships and obviously like yes they lost to a three loss team um that never like looks good with that said um they they like really held a like they were down by a lot and they first came into overtime and it really did come down to a matter of inches and so Mm -hmm. I I don't think that that game, even though they lost, necess- I actually think it did more for their credibility in my mind as a legitimate team than um, some of their other kind of bigger wins. Because I think that they proved that they're not going to give up just because they're down. And I do think that like that's really important if they're going into this game against Michigan, who's like probably arguably a better team on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of like resilience, you, you have to have it. it. It can't be taught and your team either has it or you don't. And they proved that they have it. So I think it's going to be a great game. I will say it's scared. The idea of playing TCU scares me more than the idea of playing Michigan in a national championship setting. Really? Please elaborate. I'm curious. Why? I think... TCU and their fans are still mad about 2014. Oh, okay. We're taking it back. Okay. And like, you know, to be fair, if we hadn't won the national championship that year, they would have had very good reason to be angry. Um, But we like proved ourselves that year. So I think that it was fine. Um, But I think that they feel like there's a vendetta there. Whereas when we're playing Michigan, we're the ones with the vendetta. Interesting. Huh. So they scare me a little bit because it feels like with Michigan, we know exactly what we're going to get. And we've already played them. It's very, very hard to beat the same team twice. Mm-hmm. Apparently, unless you're Utah. Um, <laughs> out here we love Utah here. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, uh, I think I would rather play, I think I would rather play Michigan. Like I also, I want the opportunity. Yeah, Obviously we want the rematch, but TCU actually just scares me more. Huh? See, that is a take I have not heard so far. I'd never even thought of them, you know, still holding a grudge from the 2014 season. So very interesting. Um, Personally, I don't think that they will end up beating Michigan. I think it'll definitely be a good game. I mean, after seeing them battle it out with Kansas State and Max Duggan and the grit he has, man, 
I must say, I'm a big fan of him after this past week. But if they bring all that to the table against Michigan, it's definitely going to be a good game. However, I think purely Michigan is just the better team. And, um, you know, I think they will be advancing to the title game. So hopefully we get that rematch. But, I mean, just speaking for the first round in general, I wrote about this this week and I still can't decide. Who would you have rather played in the first round? Would you want, you know, excluding TCU, would you want Georgia, who we have now, or do you want Michigan? Or would you rather save Michigan for the possible rematch in the national championship? Um, I almost would rather play Georgia now, mm-hmm. to be honest. I think, um, and I think part of that is because if you go into the net, like we beat Michigan to get to the national championship game for whatever reason, Georgia seems scarier to me in the final game. Mm. And it's actually like the the same. It's the same way I felt in 2014, where it was like, if we beat Alabama, we will win the national championship game. And I, it's not that I, I don't feel that necessarily, but I think if we can beat Georgia, who is, probably the, again, like the best team on paper of the field. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really big confidence boost going into a rematch against Michigan. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much like, a. I think that if we play Michigan first, like the rematch is more of a rematch and not necessarily like proof that we can go in and hang with the big kids. And so I, I think that the confidence of coming off of a win against Georgia will do more for us in a final game. Also, the national championship game is on my birthday, like down the street from my house. And so just from a very selfish, like everything is about me perspective, <laughs> I would like to be able to sit in the stadium for this rematch game against Michigan, hypothetically on my birthday, um, and then get a get a national championship win as my birthday gift. I think that would be lovely. I spent a lot of money yeah. on at Ohio State and it is the least that they <laughs> yeah come on think of Jamie during these times Ohio State like this hopefully trying times Buckeyes and like <laughs> you can do for me during this time please I mean all of us I feel like we want to see that's pretty much the best way you could ring in the new year is with a national championship win against Michigan and I agree with what you said I feel like the Buckeyes are working towards that rematch. And if they played Michigan in the first round, I'm not saying that beating them in the playoff would be bigger than winning a national championship, but that's what they would be striving for. And if they win, then it's like, okay, we just use all of our energy on beating Michigan. Now we have to gear up and face, you know, a great team in Georgia. It's kind of reminiscent of, was it 2020 when the rematch against Clemson we beat Clemson and then we just got smacked by Alabama and the Natty. So I don't know. That's kind of what comes to my mind when I think about it. So I think it did work out uh, in our favor that we're playing Georgia. Cause obviously that's just a big mental hurdle that you have to take down this powerhouse of a team, the defending national champs. Um, and if we can get through them, then we don't need any extra motivation to, you know, play Michigan in the national championship, that's already there. So I agree. I think the seating worked out perfectly and in Ohio State's favor for the most part. Agreed. Also, as an aside, I, my full-time paying job is that I'm a copywriter and one of my clients that I write like marketing campaigns for Mm -hmm. um, always does custom products based on who wins the national championship in college football. And I Mm -hmm. use I refuse to spend another year writing pro bulldog copy. And I absolutely will quit my job (laughs) if I have to write pro Wolverines copy. And so like, Lord Jesus, help me. I, I cannot do it. And I need, I don't really like if TCU wins fine, like good for them. I, it will not make me happy as a person, but it won't be like offensive to me to write that. But like, I cannot write pro Michigan copy. I can't do it. No, nor should you have to. No. And so somehow, some way, Ohio State needs to come out on top 
in this situation. If once again, like think of me personally and my daily plight, if I have to write Michigan copy. Yeah. I mean, that would carry over into your career and we can't have that being on your mind while you're working too. That's just cruel and unusual punishment. So exactly. it better not happen for sure. Um. Anyways, <laughs> still just so much more Ohio State news. So yesterday, we are filming on Tuesday. Yesterday, Jackson Smith and Jigba announced that he is finished as a Buckeye. He's just going to focus on getting healthy um, as he prepares for the draft. So he will not be playing in the playoffs, which obviously we haven't seen him all year. So, you know, no change there. But obviously, it would be a huge plus to get the best receiver in the nation back. But obviously, he needs to focus on getting healthy, focus on his future. Um, he said no one more than myself wanted him to play in the playoffs and help out his team. But the doctors just said he wasn't ready, unfortunately. What are your thoughts around this whole situation? There's been a decent amount of hate on social media saying how he's selfish, how he could definitely play. Obviously, as Buckeye fans, we are hoping for the best for him and disagree with all this hate. But, I mean, what are your thoughts surrounding it? Yeah, I mean, I I do, in general, hate the way that we've restructured where, like, players do opt out of the playoffs. Um, And it used to be, we don't see it as much in the playoffs and it's more in like the, you know, like the major six bowl games. Um, Like if you're playing in a new year six game and it's not the playoffs, we've started to see players opt out of those for safety purposes. If they're entering the draft because they don't hold the same weight that they did in the pre-playoff era. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't love that. But with that said, like, I don't think that Jackson Smith and Jigba is taking it lightly to sit out of a playoff game with national championship potential. Like, yeah, it was not a decision that he came to lightly. And like, ultimately at the end of the day, his health and safety long-term for his career is more important than like the two remaining football games. I wouldn't risk my career for like two side, essentially like freelance gigs, you know, like I wouldn't do it. It's, it is always disappointing when players don't play in the playoff or any game for whatever reason, whether it's injury or suspension or going to the draft or whatever, like you are allowed to be disappointed, but you have to understand to all these people who are sending hate his way. Like you have to understand that this is the career path that he has chosen and has excelled at. And he has every right to put his paying career and the longevity of that ahead of these games. Exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, people forget that he's only 20, 21. Like he's a kid and has his whole future and career to think about ahead of him. And he's tried to come back multiple times this season and it's just made the injury worse. So why would you risk coming back when you're not fully healthy, you know, risk injuring that again, making it even worse and then you're just risking your entire future. So definitely wish for the best for him. I think this is the best decision um, if the doctor said that he isn't fully healthy. So obviously he's been missed all year. We're going to miss him in the playoff. But if that's what's best for him, then I'm glad that he's making that decision. I agree. But he is not the only one leaving Ohio State. Um, offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson has taken the head coach job at Tulsa. So that leaves an opening um, for offensive coordinators. So first off, what do you? how much of an impact and a legacy do you think that Wilson has left um, on this Buckeye offense? You know, he doesn't really get a ton of credit in that area since Ryan Day is such an offensive-minded head coach. Um, So what do you think his legacy will be? And then second part of that question, who do you think could fill in that spot? You know, maybe Brian Hartline, maybe someone else. What do you think? Yeah, I think Hartline's a great prediction. Um, Here's the thing. Like, I I don't think you can 
I don't think that he is irreplaceable. Like, it's not like Mm -hmm. Ryan Day isn't totally competent and capable. But when you have an offense that's as dominant as ours is, like, you have to give some credit to the offensive coordinator. Right. You have to. We have not. There's no way we've accomplished what we've accomplished without Kevin Wilson. So, um, yeah, does that mean that that we couldn't fill that gap? No, of course not. And uh, once again, like, I'm thrilled for him that he's able to advance his career and grateful for what he's done for Buckeye nation. Um, I, I think you, we have to give, give credit to the offensive coordinator when you have an offense that's as dominant as ours is. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if any changes are made um, next year, if it'll look pretty much the same, if we just hire someone in house, I also think Heartline would be a great option. So that would be super exciting. I'm honestly like hoping for that because I think he could just do amazing things. Obviously, we see what he can do with the receiver room. What could he do with the whole offense? So we will see, um, you know, in the coming months what decision is made. But let's move on to uh, some teams not named Ohio State. Uh, We got some awesome bowl games on deck. So let's break down some of the New Year's six games, starting off with Clemson and Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. You know, on paper a couple weeks ago, this would have been an awesome game. You know, you got Hendon Hooker and then DJ Uyungle. However, neither of them would be playing in it now. However, I still think it's going to be a good game. I'm still excited for it, even with the backup quarterbacks. Listen, we at Ohio State know how things can go with a backup quarterback. We do. Even so, the third string quarterback. The third so. string quarterback. So <laughs> um, I I think this is going to be a really great game. I am rooting for Tennessee like hard, hard, hard because mm-hmm. my brother is a recent Tennessee grad. And um, so – and also, I just have like a personal vendetta against Clemson for the last few playoff years. It's fine. Fair. I agree. Um, so yeah, pulling for Tennessee, but I I think like from a football standpoint, this is gonna be a great matchup. Yeah, I agree. This will definitely be a good game, even with the backup quarterbacks. Honestly, that makes it even more exciting. So that'll I would be fun. Like Tennessee to avenge Hendon Hooker's honor. Yes. Get to more momentarily. I mean, we've seen what their backup can do i mean when hendon hooker got injured he still did a pretty good job so i think that it'll still be a good game you know even if hendon hooker isn't playing but moving on to another star quarterback bryce young of alabama will be facing off against kansas state in the sugar bowl i think this is also going to be a really good game obviously kansas state proved what who they are against tcu taking them down Mm -hmm. and now playing alabama I mean, could Kansas State pull off the upset against Bama? I think so. I I think that they can. And I think that part of that is that Kansas State is coming off this great win. And part of that is that this is not the Alabama team that has built a dynasty over the past decade. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say, I mean, I would never, I'm never going to count Nick Saban out. So, like, that doesn't mean that next year they're not going to come back and be a professional football team again. Right. But um, I don't think that this Alabama team is is unbeatable. Kansas State could totally walk away with the Sugar Bowl win. Yeah. I mean, Alabama losing twice in the same season is pretty unheard of. So, they might have, you know, that fire in them, like, we are not losing a third time, much less to Kansas State. So... Both teams are heavily motivated in this, so that'll also be a very good game. So I'm excited for that one, but I can't even choose. This third game, too, is so good. Utah-Penn State in the Rose Bowl. All of these games are so good. Oh, my gosh. And we obviously are rooting for Utah here because they're our best friends and helped us get to the playoff. But obviously can't count out Penn State either. This is going to be such a good matchup. This is like when you talk about two teams who in my mind are like really, really evenly matched across the board, Mm. Utah and Penn state are, are those teams. And it feels like there's something about 
this Utah team and this Penn State team playing in the Rose Bowl that feels like Rose Bowls of old, like pre-playoff era mm-hmm. Rose Bowls in terms of like the, the type of football that's going to be played, the style of football, the, the caliber of the matchup. Like I'm banking on this being a really awesome bowl game. Agreed. I mean, all of these bowl games are going to be so good. I cannot wait um, to watch all of them. We just got some great football on deck, so that'll be so fun to watch. But first, to watch this weekend, the Heisman Ceremony and the finalists were announced yesterday as well. So we got Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett, um, CJ Shroud, and oh my gosh, Caleb Williams obviously most likely winner so i think caleb williams will win he obviously struggled against utah definitely not his best game but just throughout the season the stats he's compiled he's come up big in the big moments obviously besides utah um and just compared to you know duggan i don't think that he has enough stats or anything to win stetson bennett He's a good quarterback, but, you know, I don't think he's anything special. And then, obviously, obviously, I want Stroud to win, but the Michigan game, I really think, just sealed his fate, and I I don't even know if he'll be the runner-up, to be honest. Obviously, I would love for him to win, but I think Caleb Williams is going to walk away the winner. I agree, and I actually called Caleb Williams – like pretty early in the season. Um, oh, good for you. I, well, actually, that's not true. I, it was very early in the season. It was looking like Stroud and Hennon Hooker were kind of going to go neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they both sort of, well, they both sort of fell off in that Hennon Hooker didn't really fall off other than they lost a game, but he still looked great. And then he had his injury. Yeah. Um, Stroud kind of fell off a little bit. And again, like CJ Stroud falling off means he's still better than like all the other quarterbacks, but right. <laughs> like, like CJ Stroud's worst day still puts him at the top, like near the top of NCAA quarterbacks. So right. this is not a knock on CJ Stroud by any means no. stats. When he puts stats on the board, like they, they were so impressive at the beginning of the season that it's really hard to maintain that kind of steam throughout. Um, but it is unfortunate that it didn't go the other way where it wasn't like he started off kind of slow and then built to those really impressive numbers Mm -hmm. because it feels like he dipped at the end of the season in the way that the numbers played out. Uh, Duggan, I don't have as big of a, like, I I don't know. I think what's going to happen is I think that it's going to be Caleb Williams as the winner and probably Duggan as the, runner up mm-hmm. I I will quit college football permanently if Stetson Bennett wins the Heisman in Explain. my brain he is public enemy number two okay Jim Harbaugh is public enemy number one always forever until obviously mm-hmm. so Stetson Bennett is currently public and it, Stetson if you're listening you're not listening to this but if you are I'm so sorry because it's not you personally, like you have not done anything to offend me or wrong me, but the Heisman committee owes Hendon Hooker an apology. Stetson Bennett is a good quarterback with a professional caliber football team behind him that Mm -hmm. make him look good. He is not even the best player on his own team. He isn't winning SEC players of the year. He's not winning any of those accolades, even in a smaller pool. So I want to know how in the world he made this list. Like, no, I'm pretty sure he was second team all SEC. Like he he didn't even make first team. team. Correct. He was second team all SEC. Um, He has 27 touchdowns and six interceptions in 13 games. Hendon Hooker has 32 touchdowns, so five more, and only two interceptions, so four fewer, in 
10.5 games. Like he played less games and had way more impressive stats. Um, I just, it is absolutely absurd to me. Like if the Georgia player that was represented was Brock Bowers, I wouldn't have the same issue, but Hooker was the SEC player of the year and Stetson mm-hmm. was second team. Like it, yeah, it's it. The Heisman will lose credibility if Stetson Bennett wins. Totally agree. I mean, I don't think he will if he does. That's just a disgrace to the award, but it is just mind blowing that Hendon Hooker is not a finalist. I mean, what, just because he tore his ACL with a couple games left in the season that automatically eliminates him? I mean, right. Tennessee... Because Tennessee's a two-loss team, but, like, so is yeah. And Caleb And Lewis. if you look at his stats from those games, it wasn't on him. No, certainly was not on him. And yeah. he had very impressive wins among their wins, too. Right. Like, Stetson Bennett finishes above C.J. Stroud. I will ride at dawn. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. All of their... Strength of schedules compared to Georgia had, you know, the weakest schedule. Tennessee played three, I want to say, top 25, top 10, top 15 teams. I mean, their strength of schedule was probably the hardest between, you know, Ohio State, TCU, and Georgia. So he played quality football against quality teams. So I don't know how Stetson Bennett snuck his way in here, I guess, because he you know, help lead his team to the number one seed in an undefeated season. But I mean, there could be an argument that, you know, I don't want to say it, but Blake Corum could even be a finalist. I mean, I just think there were multiple, multiple better options than Stetson Bennett. Totally. I I mean, I, yeah, again, I think like if Brock Bowers had been the Georgia representative, I wouldn't have the same argument. Absolutely. Blake Corum should be in that conversation. I mean, it mm-hmm. hurts me to say that, but <laughs> he should be. Um, when you look at the stats that he's put up and the caliber of football that he played this season, like there's just, I don't understand. This is a very, one of these things is not like the others situation yes. mm-hmm. with the Heisman. Um, so yeah, if, as long as CJ Stroud finishes above Stetson Bennett, I will be able to sleep at night. Um, yes. Obviously, I would love for him to win, but I do think it's going to go to Caleb Williams. Yeah, I mean, another thing is I just, this is such a quarterback award, I feel like, right now. And that might be the reason that, you know, Blake Corum wasn't a finalist. Also, how about Marvin Harrison Jr.? I, I don't know why he wasn't really in the conversation at all. I mean... He's yeah. the best receiver in the nation. He might win, should win the Bolitnikov. And, you know, just no position players were talked about besides quarterbacks. So I don't know. It's just kind of a and like disgrace to the award. When did that change? Like, when did we go from position players and this really being like the best overall player to being the best quarterback award? Right. Like, especially in a year in college football where there's not many great quarterbacks. You know, Stroud and Bryce Young will be the top of the draft class. But besides them, obviously we love Hendon Hooker, but there's not really, you know, four great quarterbacks that should be finalists. So just spread some love to some position players. Yeah. And like when you think about the history of the Heisman, it's like you think back to like, Archie Griffin winning too. Like he was a running back. I can't think of right. any running backs that would win the the Heisman twice. I mean, I can't think of any running backs that have even really been talked about winning the Heisman once in recent years. Cause it does just seem to consistently be quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And there yeah. are times where that is indisputable. Like Bryce Young winning the Heisman last year there, it was not going to literally anybody else. Right. It was always going to be Bryce Young when he won the Heisman. So, like, there are times where that's okay, but I don't, I, I don't really understand where the, where that shift came, in who the Heisman was recognizing. Yeah, this is actually an interesting conversation. I mean, there's definitely been a shift, an unfortunate shift, 
And hopefully we are not, you know, severely unhappy Saturday night if Stetson Bennett wins. But I don't think, I don't think you will. But sorry, Stetson, we're just not rooting for you right now or on New Year's Eve. Did we get all of our vendetta out against Stetson Bennett? Um, I think so. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we have to pause and take a breath because we've got a slew of players to talk about in the transfer portal. So stay with us. Welcome back. Um, The transfer portal, I think, is crazier than it's ever been. And hundreds, I think I even saw thousands of players have already entered. So let's get into some of the biggest names that have, you know, come up in just day one. I think starting off, maybe the biggest name would be Clemson's quarterback, DJ Uyungle. Um, He's not going to be playing in the Orange Bowl. so. I mean, what do you think about just him leaving a program like Clemson? Where could he possibly end up? And just your thoughts of him in general, because he was a very, very highly touted quarterback and just hasn't really lived up to those expectations. He hasn't. And it's interesting, like when he lost the starting job to Cade Klemnick, it's I think that was like that that was the deal breaker for him, Mm -hmm. probably like he. And he hasn't lived up to the expectations, but he is still a starting quarterback caliber, just maybe not at Clemson. Um, Like he will go somewhere that he can start. Right. And he will find a school that he can start. Like he's, it's not going to be hard for him to get a starting job. So I do, I do think that, you know, that from a, from a draft perspective for him, like that probably makes sense that he would leave to go start somewhere else um, because he is good enough to get drafted and he is good enough to, to start elsewhere, but, Mm -hmm. but he's not living up to those expectations at Clemson and Clemson's been a playoff team for the last several years. So the, you know, the stakes are high there. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's definitely is a talented quarterback. It just seems like Clemson was not the right fit for him. Maybe he just needs Different system, different head coach, fresh start. So we will see where he ends up. Whichever team gets him will be very lucky. But a couple of other quarterbacks on the move, Devin Leary from NC State, and then Caden Slovis, um, he's transferred a couple times. He's now uh, in the transfer portal. He's at Pitt right now. He was at USC. So just a couple of solid quarterbacks. I don't really know where they will end up. I mean, I feel like in similar type programs i don't know if they'll get you know one of the top programs will land them but they're definitely obviously starter caliber caliber and very talented quarterbacks yeah i mean if i were if i'm remembering correctly devin leary was the acc preseason player of the year going into this season Mm -hmm. um so like he'll, he'll do fine he'll be fine um the one that i thought was was really interesting is Cade McNamara going to Iowa. I agree. I'm honestly, I'm excited for Iowa. I mean, we can root for him now because he's not a Michigan quarterback. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the Iowa offense because good Lord, do they need help on offense? So he's a talented quarterback. So I think this could really help boost Iowa. I agree. And I, I think like they are still, missing some major pieces to their offense like this is not this is not gonna turn things around entirely um but with that said having Ken McNamara as your quarterback also is great for recruiting and there's a lot of leadership there um so they need to figure out their offensive line and they need to figure out their wide receiver position um but I do think that having Cade McNamara there is going to be great for um, their recruiting and maybe they can pick up a few other guys in the transfer portal and, and put the, probably something together. Yeah, that'll definitely be one of the most interesting storylines, you know, coming into the Big Ten season next year. Um, but now switching gears to Ohio State, 
Only two players have announced that they're entering the transfer portal so far. Uh, safety Jalen Johnson and linebacker Taraja Mitchell. Um, they haven't played this year, so, you know, not a huge loss for the Buckeyes. But obviously rooting for them, hoping nothing but the best for them. So they're the only two that have announced it so far. But do you think there could be any other, you know, maybe bigger names that will announce that they're going to enter the portal. The thing that's interesting about OSU is like a lot of our guys, when we lose them, we lose them to the draft, like the bigger names. Mm -hmm. Um, And like the thing with, with Mitchell is like our linebacker position is like, you know, he's coming in with like, when he came in, he was the highest ranked of the people who came in. Um, again, like this is someone who is extremely talented, but right. he only played in, in one game this season um, or uh, on defense. He like appeared on yeah. in, mm-hmm. a, in a handful of games, but he had, he was injured. And so like, we have other guys who have really stepped up to fill that void. Um, Mm. And I think that like, it's again, a lot of that is thanks to his leadership. So I hope that he goes on to do really great things wherever he ends up. But I, I don't know that we're going to lose any really big names because I think that like, I think we'll probably still lose a couple of guys, but they're going to be kind of same thing. People who like missed a starting job because of injury and somebody else filled their shoes or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think our biggest losses are going to continue to be to the draft. Interesting. Yeah. I think I agree. I mean, just the rumors on Twitter are just really getting in my head. And then I start to believe them the more I, you know, read about it. And I think the main one that I've seen is Travion Henderson. You know, what's going to happen with him? A lot of that depends on if mine Williams will go pro. I don't see Trey transferring. You know, obviously he had a monster freshman season and, you know, it's hard to, you know, surpass that the following year. And he was just really struggling to stay healthy this year, which obviously had a huge impact on him. So I think if he gets healthy this off season, he could come back, definitely be, you know, the number one running back or share time, whether that be with Mayan or Evan Pryor when he comes back healthy. So I don't think Trey will transfer, but that's just an interesting storyline that I've been following, you know, on social media. And that one wouldn't surprise me. Like, I think I would be surprised, but I also don't think it would be like totally out of left field. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we lost Trey, but obviously we don't want to lose anyone. Again, all of these guys are playing college football as a stepping stone to their paying careers. And so I also want the players that I really love as much as I want to see them in a Buckeye uniform. Like that's a very short sighted wish for them. And I want ultimately for them to have the most successful long-term career in the NFL that they can. And so if that means that we have to lose Trey to the transfer portal, I will be very sad about it. And also like ecstatic for him if he gets to have an opportunity. I, it does, a lot of it does boil down to Mayan Williams too. Mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right. Like whether he chooses to stay or go pro is going to, it's going to be a huge factor. Right. I mean, I just feel like the transfer portal is kind of like the trade deadline. Like you get so attached to the players on your team. You don't want to see any of them leave, but obviously you want what's best for them, especially when it comes to college kids who this is their future. So I hope we don't lose anyone, but if we do, I hope, you know, they choose what's best for them. But I think one of the most interesting stories, I don't know if we've ever seen anything like this in the transfer portal, could be Deion Sanders now becoming the head coach of Colorado. Will everyone from Jackson State and everyone that he's recruited all come to Colorado with him? I mean, now... Colorado just going to get an influx of all these players wanting to play for coach prime. The other question is, will all of Colorado leave because of his insane? Yes. Like this story is insane. You guys like, I know not been following this. 
Deion Sanders showed up to Colorado on Sunday, was announced as the next head coach, and then looked at the current Colorado players and was like, hit the road, Jack, because my son (laughs) is your new quarterback. Like, this is insane. Like, I just can't even. I have so many questions about what went down in his in like the interview process Mm -hmm. and like how they were going to, how they plan to navigate that with current players. But like, I would be furious if I were a current player and my coach walked in and was basically just like, you should, you should go to the transfer portal because I'm bringing my own people. Um, Like this is nuts. So I do think, yes, I think a lot of Jackson state is going to follow him. And I think a large part of that is going to be because a lot of the Colorado players are going to peace out because of the way that, this was handled. This is going to be so interesting. I mean, this is so Dion, like he would say something like this and have that confidence in the guys that he's recruited and the team that he's put together at Jackson state. But to just come into a program to the players that you coach right now and just be like, yeah, I don't want to coach any of you guys. Like actually please leave. Like you're just going to be screwed with the guys that are left over. I feel like, they're not going to want to play for you. They're not going to respect you. And then how many transfers will you actually get? It's just going to be a mishmash of a team. But And the fans. Like, like yeah. imagine, imagine if a coach came into, and granted, Colorado and Ohio State have very different football environments. Yeah. I am imagining what would happen if a coach came to Ohio State and was just like, Hey, all of you leave. I'm here now and I run the show. Like we the fans would have a field day. I just I mean I can't fathom. I like our Colorado Colorado fans weigh in on this. Are you guys excited to have Deion Sanders because he's a great coach? Or are you like furious at the way that he's handled this? Right. I or mean I somewhere in the middle. I don't I don't Yeah. Know. I feel like they have no choice to just accept it and be like, well, let's just see what kind of happens i mean it might be a total failure but it also just might totally work out you know i feel like the first season it's gonna be a little rough obviously as he forms whatever team he puts together but as the years move on i feel like could colorado be a powerhouse who knows Dion's obviously proved that he can be a great coach he's led jackson state to the season that they just had so we will see. This is going to be such an interesting storyline to follow in the offseason. And actually, to that point, Megan, I think that the the fan response to this is not going to really become apparent until their season happens. Like, right. they come out in 2023 and all of a sudden they start winning games and they're a ranked team and he like really like turns the program around. I think maybe that fans are going to let this slide. And if he doesn't live up to those expectations, they're going to be like, wow, he is a dick. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I I just, I can't wait. Coach Prime is just something else. I don't even know how to describe him. <laughs> um, but before we wrap up the show, ending on that great note, shall we do our end of the show shout outs? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to shout out Hendon Hooker, because he should have been a Heisman finalist, but he's a Heisman finalist in my heart. And that's what really matters. That is, as we established early on, <laughs> my opinions are the most important. So Obviously. <laughs> um, my shout out is Kyle McCord. I'm like 99% sure. I saw him at Chipotle yesterday, so oh, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Turns out, turns out Ohio State football players are normal people too, and they get Chipotle just like me. So nice. <laughs> all right, that is all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Jamie at Jamie Yurich, me at Megan Hustline, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.